This is Lovey Dummies. I'm David. And I'm Perlan. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Dave. How's it going? Hey, Pearl. Welcome to another date night. That's right. So, uh, what's our topic today? Uh, well, spring is in the air. Birds are chirping. <laughs> right. And, uh, love is all around, right? So, we're, we're talking about the secret. Wow, the secret. Okay, let me um, talk a little bit about uh, what we're doing this month first. So, yeah. this month, we have started doing the kindness challenge on Instagram and Twitter. Mm-hmm. We're in once a day. We've been posting a random act of kindness that we can do. So what's what's the secret all about? Uh, well, this episode we're doing comes from an article in The Atlantic that was written back in 2014. Okay. And it's titled Masters of Love. Hmm. And it's by Emily Smith. So this article talks about... A bunch of studies that were done um, as early as the 1970s, back mm-hmm. when there was a, a big crisis in, there was a spike in divorce rates in America. And it basically just talks about what's the secret to lasting, loving relationships. So it gets into sort of the science of what's going on behind the scenes, um, which is, it's pretty interesting. So this first part of the article talks about um, you know, what's the physiological response hmm. in in couples um, when they're interacting with each other? So this there's a psychologist couple that um, they were interviewed for this article. And uh, the husband, John Gottman, was the guy that set up this study back in 1986 uh, at the University of Washington with his colleague Robert Levinson. And so basically what they did is they brought newlyweds into their lab and they attached a bunch of electrodes to them and they asked them a bunch of questions. Okay. <laughs> just about like, what's, you know, how did you guys meet? How do you deal with conflict with each other? What's a positive memory you have of your relationship? And they measured, um, they measured three things. They measured blood flow, heart rates, and how much sweat they produced. Wow, okay. And so based on these three things, they were able to separate couples into two different categories. One was the masters, and the other one was the disasters. Interesting names. Uh, I can almost guess what happens to the disaster couples, but go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, so in the study, they followed up after six years, and so the masters, the ones that they had separated into the masters category, they were still happily together after six years. Okay. The disasters, however, were were either broken up or they were chronically unhappy in their marriage. And so what they found, the difference, the difference between the two different, um, two different types of couples was their phys- physiological response when okay. they were together. Hmm. So the masters they found were very comfortable, had a very low physiological response. They weren't sweating very much. Their heart rate was normal. And, um, you know, their blood flow was just, you know, fairly low and normal. Whereas the disasters they found were in this fight or flight mode, which is, it's basically like they were about to be attacked by a saber-toothed tiger. Wow. Like, um, you know, practically speaking, we don't need to be scientists to know that 
you know, uh, I think a good yeah, so indicator. What's, what's an example of, mm. you know, we can hook up a bunch of electrodes to each other, but that's kind of impractical in the day to day sort of thing. How can you determine um, what your partner's response to you is? Like, how do you how do you determine yeah. how comfortable your partner is with you? Without yeah. hooking up electrodes to them, I think it's really simple, and it's it's an indicator um, of like it's also an indicator that I use to um, myself when it comes to relationships, uh, the closeness of uh, my relationships. It's very simple. They should feel like home. So, for example, mm -hmm. after a long day of work and then you meet your friends and yet you still have the energy to spend and you're happy and you're laughing, I think it's a good indicator mm -hmm. that you're not stressed out when you see your friends or when you see your loved ones. It's okay. a good indicator of a lasting relationship because they, they just feel like home. They are very comfortable to be with. You yeah, can you be yourself. Relaxed. Yeah, exactly. So, I think... Uh, another one is for couples, uh, because I like observing people. <laughs> um, I think for couples, it's it will be body language. Okay. It's like just the amount of times they look at each other. And like, you know, you can even tell. Like if your partner is interested in you when you go to a crowded place, like for example, a party, and when the amount of eye contact your partner is giving to other people mm -hmm. instead of you or uh, just the amount of attention that your partner is giving you or do you always catch them scanning the room while talking to you? Right. Like, you know, it's it's a an obvious sign of a disconnect or mm. disinterest. So I think you don't you don't really need to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. <laughs> you can read people um, based on their body language very very easily. I think a lot of women are good <laughs> at reading good with body that. Language. <laughs> yeah, and that's I think that's a good point, and it kind of goes into this next study that's in the article that talks about this idea of bids for connections. I think body language has something to do with this. Uh, but in this other study that, um, it was a follow-up study that they did in 1990 at the University of Washington, um, they observed newlywed couples in this sort of bed and breakfast uh, environment, and they observed these bids for connections between um, the partners in a couple. And uh, it's basically, you know, when they observe... A bid for connection it can be as, as simple as just uh, one person making a comment about something mm -hmm. and just requesting a response from right. their partner yeah. and so the you know the partner who is responding has a choice in that moment to either turn toward their partner or turn away hmm. based on the response that they give and in some cases it can be you know body language related right right uh, and so what they found in this study was that the couples that divorced after six years had turned toward bids 33% of the time. So basically when your partner is uh, trying to make a connection with you, it's just 
Um, it can be as simple as just like, oh, look at that bird out there, hmm. something like that. A, a, a turn toward connection would basically be confirming uh, that request. So maybe you would you would come to the window with me and just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's really pretty. Mm. Something like that. You would be confirming uh, the bid. Whereas turning away is, you know, maybe if you're doing something at the time, like if you're reading a newspaper, you're reading on your phone, uh, you choose not to interrupt yourself, whatever you're doing, and you just kind of dismiss the connection. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's not only, I think, it's not only being ignored, but... It's also the feeling of not being acknowledged, mm -hmm. right? Uh, when we when we think of it, it sounded very very simple, but um, it all boils down into something that communicates to your partner mm -hmm. or to the other person that I am not interested in what you're thinking, feeling, saying, right. and so I would continue doing what I'm doing, and just you know. Maybe at least say something like, oh, I see, or oh, okay, yes, something like that. Yeah. But so these kinds of bids, um, let's let's dig a little bit deeper. How does this look like in, um, in a relationship, in a real relationship? <laughs> can we give more examples? Uh, well, one example I can think of is... As an American, I like to watch TV. Mm -hmm. And I think like anytime I turn on the TV to watch a show, when you're in the room, that's a bid for connection for me. Because uh -huh. it's something that we can enjoy together. Right, right. Right. And so, you know, based on your response, you know, I'll feel maybe a little isolated if you are... You know, if if I'm trying to watch a TV show with you and you're just like on your phone or something like that, or you know, if you um, if you come into the room and you're just like, hey, let's let's watch that uh, new episode or something like that, you know, that's that's sort of that's one thing I can think of. Offhand. Right, right, yeah. Uh, in my defense, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, now this is this is a part that I think uh, every couples need to discuss because what if you know that since they've already given an example what if there is a personality difference or there is uh for example watching tv is uh something that i am not interested in which is true like uh even growing up you know mm -hmm. as soon as my family turn the tv on i would be upstairs reading or something like <laughs> something like that so uh that's my personality that's that's what i like to do i i do not like watching tv um not entirely i can watch tv but most of yeah, the times I, I find it right in this particular case <laughs> in this particular case uh, one thing that we've been able to do is we've found TV shows that we're both mutually interested in, and we've we've been able able to connect over those. Yeah, so I think uh, when you and uh, the person you're in a relationship with, uh, not necessarily disagrees on something, but let's say you have differences. Mm -hmm. uh, despite the differences, I think there's always a common ground. 
that you can find. So it might take a little bit of time and a lot more digging deeper, but I think there's always something in common that you can find. Like, for example, Certainly. if we wanted to watch a documentary on North Korea, you know, <laughs> something like that, we can, oh, I'm, I'm so down. Let's watch it. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's, yeah, you, you make a good point. You know, you got to find the commonalities. And also, you know, for the things that your partner likes to do that you don't like to do, um, it's also, you know, one way that you can love your partner is just giving them the space to enjoy the things that they enjoy doing. True. Even if you don't enjoy doing them. Yeah. Okay, Dave, going back to kindness... Yes. What this article finds is that kindness is the thing that glues couples together, and it is the most important predictor of satisfaction and stability in a marriage. I am not surprised. <laughs> this, is, this is the secret, is kindness. Wow. See, there you go, guys. The secret to a lasting, happy, rewarding relationship is only kindness. So uh, I'm curious. We know kindness, but what what does it look like if we break it down? Okay. Well, there's two different ways that we can think about it. Think about kindness. One is as just like a trait that people have, a fixed trait. You either have it or you don't. Uh, and the other way is to think about it like a muscle. It's something that you, that you exercise. You have to get it into shape. Um, and so going back to the parlance that the Gottmans use... Um, in their study about masters and disasters, the masters tend to think about kindness as a muscle. They recognize that it's something that they have to exercise to keep it in shape, and they know that essentially a good relationship requires sustained hard work in order to make it uh, fulfilling and to make it happy and, and healthy. Oh, that's really interesting. So, um, what what the way i see it is aside from it being a muscle i think another good illustration is that you have it's like an investment mm -hmm. it's like you deposit small acts of kindness like okay. for example um putting away your phone when your partner is talking to you just to spend quality time with them and listening to them intently mm -hmm. Uh, when they talk about how their day went and things like that. So I think those small investments uh, can be helpful in the future mm -hmm. as well. Like when things get rough or when there's an instance wherein your partner gave a cold remark or something, said something rude, mm -hmm. you can always think back in the past on what, uh, your partner did for you mm -hmm. so that you when you remember those things you can be more compassionate towards them i think as long as you aren't keeping track of those deposits that you're making it should be <laughs> fine because as you know if you're keeping track and then you have your list that you bring up to your partner when just like oh i've did all these things for you yeah How yeah you i'm talking about the them? other way yeah. You remembering what the other person is not, and not you reminding <laughs> right, the right, other right. person of what That's you did. That's actually something that the article talks about is um, being able to scan your environment and scan your partner for things to appreciate and to say thank you for, as opposed to scanning them for their mistakes and the things that they've done wrong. Wow, that's really interesting. Um, yeah. 
it's just the positive mindset, I think, in a lot of cases that that help. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this idea of being kind even when you're in a fight. Now, this is difficult, to be honest, uh, because uh, you don't get in a fight in, you know, if you feel good. Of course. (laughs) So, Dave, um, how do you fight kindly? (laughs) Is there such a thing? Fighting kindly? Well, the way that a lot of us learn how to resolve conflicts, I think, is um, you have to be able to express your emotions clearly to your partner. And so being able to express yourself is probably the most important way to be kind. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're, if all you're doing is pointing out the things that you don't like um, that your partner is doing or something like that, it's not, it's not constructive because... You're not you're not addressing the root cause of your your dissatisfaction, which is you know the way that you're feeling um, is really what you need to to get at. Okay, for example, let's do a a simple role play. <laughs> for example, uh, uh, Dave messed up. So instead of me saying what you messed up again. You did the same thing last week, like mm-hmm. that. So instead of that, maybe I would say, you know, Dave, I'm I'm really sad and I feel hurt that you messed up again. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to know that, you know, it's it's painful what you did, something mm. like that. Does that sound right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just identifying how you feel, mm-hmm. I think, is... You know, because the more that you point at the other person, the more they're going to try to defend themselves. It's true. Whereas the more that you open up about how you're feeling, it's just like, oh, I can see that this is, you know, my actions are causing this in my in my partner. And I think uh, when you approach it in such a way, you there's a, there's a sense that you are longing for a resolution. It's like, yeah. so, you know, we've been having this problems uh, and they keep coming up mm-hmm. how are we going to avoid this from happening in the future mm-hmm. it's like you know you're opening a way for you guys to discuss things fairly it's mm-hmm. like i'm not blaming you if you're really if that's your weak point how can i help you with that yeah. things like that still there's um you know there's a sense of compassion and kindness yeah because i mean the key is, you know, when you identify your emotions, it motivates your partner. Just, you know, if your partner really cares and, and loves you, they are more likely to just be like, well, I don't want you to feel that way, you know. And so they're they're more likely to change their behavior if that's what the problem is or um, to help you in the case where it's like if there's, you know, if you have like deep seated fears that cause lots of angst and anxiety and and they're causing conflicts in your relationship um that necessarily they might be triggered by your partner's actions but it might not be their fault necessarily the the like the way that you feel i guess um you know your your partners are going to be more willing to help you address those problems um that you're dealing with you know if if they're not 
feeling blamed by you. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, speaking of conflict, I think another way to be kind is to believe that your partner is doing his or her best. Mm. Because, yes. like, you know, um, and most of the times it's true, nobody intentionally wanting to hurt their partner. Like, you know? You might get to a point. Like, if, if the relationship gets super toxic, it could get to that point. Yeah. But, you know, if you are both working towards a healthy relationship but we're all humans you know nobody's Mm -hmm. perfect we're gonna mess up once in a while and when that happens i think a good thing to remember is that believe in your partner's good intentions yeah that's one of the things that the, the article highlights this is one way that we can practice kindness with um in our relationships is to be generous about your partner's intentions. And so we have, um, you know, any opportunity, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't say any opportunity, like anytime like a conflict comes up, there is an opportunity for you to think two ways about that conflict. Like if you're late for, like if we have a reservation for dinner or something like that, if you're late for that dinner, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's two ways you can think about it. It's just like, oh, well, she doesn't really care about this reservation that I made. Um, or you can think like, oh, well, she she got caught up somewhere and she's really busy with something. And you give your partner the benefit of the doubt. Um, that's one way that you can practice kindness with your partner is just to always think about their intentions and to give them the benefit of the doubt in that in those cases. Right. So another way that you can practice kindness in your relationships is around shared joy, like things that, you know, if if one person in the relationship gets good news about something, you can share that joy with each other. Yeah, it's really interesting because not only this is not only important in romantic relationships, but also in the context of friendship. Yes. I wanted to share a story about uh, an ex-best friend of mine. So you mm-hmm. can probably guess. We had a great uh, falling away. Is that <laughs> <Okay>. falling? <laughs> yeah, because um, I noticed, like, I only realized this recently after we had already ended our friendship. Because uh, we considered each other best friends for such a long time. Uh, but... I noticed that every time I'm celebrating something, there's an achievement, it's my birthday, important occasions to me, Mm -hmm. she was always absent. Hmm. But she was always there when I had a problem and things like that. And so I thought it was a good thing at the beginning. And then finally, it came to a point wherein, you know, after I experienced... uh, a real disaster in my life, like a literal disaster after the big earthquake in Fukushima. She was just scolding me and criticizing me uh, for everything that I had not planned in my life. It's like, wow, perfect timing. It's like... (laughs) Weird. Yeah. So looking back, I realized that, you know, I analyzed the things that she said Mm -hmm. and... 
I came to a realization that she had been jealous all the time, mm-hmm. and she couldn't stand seeing me happy because she couldn't genuinely express her happiness for my happiness. Mm-hmm. But when I'm down, uh, it it elated her, mm. you know, and so she she felt good about herself when I'm suffering. Right. So she was always there, mm. and so. Ironic as it may seem to have a friend like that, I had an actual experience having mm. that kind of a relationship. And so now I'm I'm being very cautious. Like, you know, when I feel like my friends are not happy or they cannot celebrate with the things that makes me happy or the things that I have achieved, they couldn't even congratulate me or things like that. I'm beginning to think that way. Do you think it's normal? Is it right? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's it's interesting because the article also points this out, which is, you know, we in the traditional wedding vows, it talks about being there in good times and bad. Right. Uh, with this, it says that research shows that being there for each other when things go right is actually more important for relationship quality. And so this idea of being able to share good news with each other is is extremely important. So it's it's very, very interesting that you had that experience. Um, the study that this article goes into talks about four different responses that you can have uh, in terms of like shared joy, like when you're sharing good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, the four different um, the four different reactions you can have is are uh, passive destructive, active destructive, passive constructive, and active constructive. Wow. Okay. Uh, let's make it easier for our listeners to do that. So, for example, um, I had an achievement. How would you react? The first one. So, for example, a passive destructive response would basically ignore hmm. that good news. Just like, oh, you achieved something. And then I would basically just ignore it or I would kind of paper over it with my own achievement or something for example uh dave we just gained 100 new followers on instagram and i'll say oh well i just tweeted this thing on twitter that got all kinds of responses i see okay so you just ignore it and you you maybe you you talk about your own thing but you can't share that joy with with in the beginning right how about the second response the second one is passive constructive, and okay. this is in a way you're you're sort of ignoring it, but it's it's um you know you can you respond constructive constructively, but it is half-hearted. For example, Dave, we gained two hundred new followers on Instagram, and I'm on my phone and I'm scrolling through Facebook and I'm saying, "Wow, that's great!" Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically sort of ignoring it and doing my own thing, but I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's good. And suddenly this microphone was just flying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about the third one? The next one is active destructive, and oh, this is where mm-hmm. you're, you're actually going after and you're trying to diminish the good news that your partner got. Okay, so I'd say, oh, my gosh, Dave, we... we Got 500 followers on Instagram in a month. Oh my gosh, Pearl, you're spending way too much time on Instagram. 
why are you you're on your phone constantly like you never have time to talk to me it's it's silly you should get off your phone and the laptop flew. <laughs> no. Okay. And so how about the last one? I think the last one should be the, the you know, the ideal response. The good one, response. right. Active constructive is basically you're, you choose to engage your partner. And you say, oh my gosh, that's great. You're doing such a good job with our, with our Instagram account. I can't believe we have 500 followers. That's crazy. <laughs> you're doing such a good job. Right. So and you share the achievement and you share the good news. And, you know, it feels good, right? It feels good to be appreciated. So if it's the other way around, um, it you're going to feel good as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so this last part of the article just basically it's highlighting that this active constructive response to good news is basically the only difference between the couples who are together and those who broke up. Oh, huh. hmm this active constructive response wow it's so important so guys it, like you know when when we think that our words are not important or mm -hmm. the way we respond is not important we should rethink um the way we comment or you know respond to the people we are in a relationship with because eventually it would build up whether you are uh, criticizing them and whether your comments or words no matter how small they are are full of negativity right or if you're encouraging building up supporting mm -hmm. and filled with positivity yeah so knowing all these things uh dave how do you think we can challenge our listeners uh well we can go back to to some of the things that we've talked about let's let's uh let's go back to this thing about bids for connection so one thing that you can do as our listeners out there uh, think back on maybe like the past week or the past month um, it can be in any kind of relationship that you have whether it's you know your romantic relationship whether it's a marriage um, or just your girlfriend or boyfriend or it can be in a friendship even um, just think back on the the bids for connection that you had with your partner and think about how you responded to those bids. You know, did you respond uh, in active constructive or did you did you respond, you know, passively? Was it destructive? That kind of thing. So just think back on the past week and how you have engaged your partner in certain ways. All right, Pearl. So we've talked about sort of the research and the science behind kindness and what makes relationships last i guess this last thing that we want to do is let's talk about what the bible has to say about it yeah uh i'm reading on the english standard version and the title for first corinthians 13 is the way of love yeah, so this is a famous passage that's normally read at weddings yeah but i'm just gonna read uh verses four to seven because okay. this is spot on. So mm -hmm. it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Mm. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Mm. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things 
So I think it's really beautiful that kindness is one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, not only that, like the attributes of being kind right, is all packed in this. So maybe this scientific research is just a confirmation, but it has been written a long time ago as our guideline, and it's even called the way of love. Yeah. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So that's all that we have for this date night. As we continue on Twitter and Instagram with our 30 days of kindness, we would uh, invite you just to join us, to share with us on those social platforms, the joys that you're experiencing in your life, and uh, maybe just the ways that you are experiencing kindness in your relationships. Until next time.